Welcome to the podcast that inspires the American dream through hard work and adventure. Our wide range of guests will give you a unique insight into their crafts, professions, and experiences. So sit back, enjoy, and have a laugh. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Free Range American Podcast. Hey, Dave, are we recording? We are. So the, the funny thing is, is that I know that. Yeah. And I'm not the... The engineer. You're not. Are engineer. you? I'm not starting the, guy that's the show the with. Yeah, with, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave, are we good? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm the smartest on the show. <laughs> by the way, I uh, just wanted to open Free Range American up with that. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted, yeah. you know, the doctor, Doctor Steve, Doctor Evan Hafer mm-hmm. over there is, is the smartest, smartest one on the show. I don't know. I don't. I. I, I doubt that's true. Actually, it could be the smartest. I doubt it. it depends what kind of smarts you know. Yeah. So it, if it, we're doing like. I would imagine my math scores are relatively high if, compared to the. If the you measure skills, like like like, what are the weighted weighted skills? Starts with survivability, security. Does it? Does it start with? I, I would say, like, you gotta you gotta start primitive when right. you're when you're going. Okay, you're judging a man based on on just his pure intellect, pure survival. Knowledge. Yeah, like pure, just survival starts with that. So really primitive. Are you mm. able to make yourself fire? Can you make mm-hmm. yourself shelter, and can you find yourself food? Yes. Okay. All so. three of those things are check, check, check. And you'd say probably about a high 80s proficiency, 80% proficiency, at, but all three of those things? I think if I was given the right environment and the right tools. Well, you know how to prepare, the too. Right, yeah, That's the right thing. environment, the right tools. I think I could absolutely sustain my own survival for an extended period of time. See, I that, have confidence in that. That's where I think intelligence starts. So, mm. but I, the interesting thing is, is I, I couldn't be one of those guys that like steps out into the woods with just a loincloth. No, like that's no, a no, different no, no, no. level of proficiency. No. Eh, I think it's just a matter of time in that environment, though. Well, no, we're well, talking I think about it's knowledge more than and that. intelligence right now. So, step one, it's preparation and planning. You have you you possess knowledge about about what you what your needs are so, so you're putting rules to the criteria at well, this point is I'm, that what you're well, doing you're putting I, I, no i'm dating it i'm saying okay in 2020 we're measuring a man's you know yeah in, okay intellect let's, i like to play this game let's yeah. go let's go with this game let's do this <laughs> let's go let's let's i like to play this game come on yeah so, so, so where I'm, are you at <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. the first three categories uh, yes i'd say a mid 70 percent I, I, I know if I'm if I have to go out in the in the wilderness and I know a ballpark of how long I need to survive, I know what what I'm going to purchase or what I'm going to plant, what I'm going to prep with, what, what you're going to acquire. I, yes, I know yeah. what I'm going to I'm, I'm going to start fulfilling the easiest portion. So, OK, first water. I'm going to make sure I pack myself some sort of filtration. So you're finally going to start drinking water. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? In this scenario, Jared's going to start drinking water. I'm going to have to pack hardcore liver medication. You're going to have to go through detox first while you're out there. Day 21, my liver is going to start shutting down due to lack of alcohol and the crystallization of my liver that has taken place up to this point is going to start. I picture Jared being out there. Day five, he looks something like Gollum. Just pouncing on a fish in a shallow stream. So like, ah, precious. I've just seen. I've seen how comfortable Jared is in the outdoors most of the time. Mm. Like he is very comfortable, but the comfort level 
doesn't come from competence. It doesn't. It, it comes from a place of repetition and planning. No. Because, because uh, and I'll give you why. Because I had to spend a week a month in the field for four years of my life Where? Ins- instructing when I was in, an instructor for school. But that was get, in the Air Force. That doesn't you're count. You're still going to the field. It, it like you get count. so You get so... It's, it's uh, right behind every, their barracks. Every trip. You're There's doing a field this right behind their barracks. Month. You're doing an FD, a field problem once a month. Every trip you have a lesson to learn or something new that you're going to modify for the next trip. You know, the first time you go out there... You, you score yourself a cot, and then you're like, wow, a hammock would be way better. So the next time you try the hammock out, okay, that was way better. You're slowly, once you're going that often, you continue to like essentially get comfortable or know how to make yourself comfortable with the least amount of weight that you got to pack in. I've seen you get winded getting into an F-350. Yeah, but there was a that's step not, involved. I know, that's a, what I'm saying. It was a lifted F-350. I've seen, <laughs> there, I've there seen there was you. A stair. You know I, stairs are my weakness. Like, so, I have a weakness, and stairs is right at the top of the list. Right. So you're rating yourself at a 70% proficiency, survivability with proper planning. How long? How are long there, are we going on this? Are there predators and or security issues? Always. Or, always. Always. Yeah, but what to what Predators. level? Okay, but we're here, right? So are we here, yeah, Texas? Geez, Texas. that'd be easy. Just walk yeah. down to HEB. <laughs> you don't even need to survive in the wilderness in the of Texas. This is desert, so okay. let's just put it like this. So, if we were to do the, we'll call it the the Mexico to America crossing. Oof. So. We were to make the walk I've done in the hardest with in the, the <laughs> in the hardest area of Mexico into Texas, the longest walk that illegals make. Yeah, you're looking who who would make it to America? Who would make it to America here? Are we talking about the bridge at El Paso? That, no, no, I've seen that. That no. You're hard. probably, and it's not even it's through Texas. the desert. It's going to be Yuma. You're, I mean, you're you're talking about Gila Bend, essentially. I'm not. Is, I just said Texas. I think that's oh. yeah. But if the longest portion from a Mexico like decently sure. sized town city to get into the United States, I believe, is down in Gila Bend. And now mm-hmm. we did a we did an exercise with with the seer instructors out there. Uh, on how to make it through that desert. Mm. So there are there are in the Arizona landscape there is a cactus out there that's very abundant that you can drill into and get a good a good source of water out of. Um, I mean you have miles upon miles though of just flat. You got to so walk. You got to move at night. So yeah. you shelter in place during the day with, with shade to conserve water right. essentially, and then your movements at night. And yeah, you're looking at. I think it's somewhere around 180 miles. 180 walking miles. Mm-hmm. Don't forget you have to convert once you cross the border because it's metric. That's true. So, so it goes from metric to standard. Yep. But I think that where the point of this is, is do you think you could walk 180 miles? And how I long? Know. I don't know. How long has you got? It depends. I mean, just how long on, it takes. I mean, well, no, I mean, because if you extend the time, that means that you have to have more survival. Do we skills. have nothing? So you can replace fitness for survival school in this or, or survival skills in this scenario. If you're just a fit guy. No, I like that. I like that. So you, you got to cover 180 miles 
and you know that's your total distance, how how are you dividing that up? How many miles are you doing a day to do that in the most? I'm doing 20 way? miles a day. Mm. Okay. Well, you you got to consider even with a light pack, you can walk 12 miles in three hours. Like so, so just put it. When in was the, the last time you did that though? That's not that's not current. Yeah, that was eight years ago yeah. and eighty pounds. Yeah. You're carrying a light ru- or a heavy rucksack <laughs> yeah. on you yeah, right now, <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to require at least sixty pounds of water to move. Oh, easily. You're going to drain yeah, easily. This is yeah. this is. I don't. I don't think you make it just out of the water aspect. That's a big gamble. I think you make it. You make it three days without water. You're going to be a fucking wreck if you don't have any water. You don't have any food. I'd you're crossing yes. as much you, distance as you can. You do 20 miles that first day. That second day, you're going to start slowing down. Maybe do 12, 14. That third day, you're really you're gonna in be a bad wreck. shape. You're, you're still not even to the 60-mile mark. That's I literally walked 12 miles yesterday. Yeah. Like hunting, I walked 12 miles. So I know that I can walk 12 miles fairly easy in a consistent cadence, carrying things. Carrying Like I carried a rifle yesterday. And, it, and I had... Uh, an RTD with me, so I know that I could carry the, an RTD and a rifle. <laughs> one RTD and Plug. one rifle. Right, Logan's been running, so Logan's been running lately. You could probably put in, you'd put in more. You'd probably do thirty miles a night. No, I think thirty is overkill. To be honest with you, you think like, you I, don't want to push it too hard, you? right? Well, I mean, I'm putting the numbers in my head. Like, you're going to be between 45 and 60 pounds of weight, like to be self-sustaining. I would say 35. You're going to have to yeah. go on the light end. I'm you're just only going to. Are we carrying shelter? Like, I'm thinking, like, you know, everything's in there. There's tent. There's water. Food. I, you tent, can't carry that uh, much water. Right? Okay, this is an interesting one. Shelter. What are you going to carry for shelter? Tell tell me. Let's or let's go through our packing list because this is a super interesting one. Shelter, Jared, go. What are you carrying for shelter? I'm just going poncho and and steaks and and cord, okay. Uh, because there is a lot of rock out in that area, and there's a lot of like just right. natural caves and stuff like that that you can get into. Okay, uh, that was one of the things that when we did the training, like you you do see where where you definitely you shelter military crest, you know, twenty percent below the the high ground, so you have visibility and security and shit yeah. like that. So yeah, I'm just going ranger roll. You're going yeah, ranger roll. Are you? So you're just doing poncho liner. What time poncho. Of year is this? You're gonna throw it out on the ground. That's how you're. Yeah, that's how. You, that's how you rock and temperature. Roll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I'm assuming it can find a like a three foot stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna. Tent, yep. You know. Yep. Five fifty cord. No stakes. Mm-hmm. No. The, all you need is a is that that poncho. Yeah. Get yourself out. Well, of I want sun. a poncho liner because it gets cold in the desert at night, yeah. and I don't like to be chilly. No, lo- hot Logie, do- he likes to be hot. He doesn't like to be cold. He likes Logie to be hot. Logie likes to be hot. Okay, so Tyr, y- you have a pre-existing history from being a-, a Green Beret. Is that correct? That is correct. So he has some subject matter expertise in this. He's been on the show a-, a few times before. So welcome to the show again, Tyr. Thank you. I feel welcome. What are you going to, what are you carrying? What are you carrying for shelter? Um, probably a rock or something. A rock or something. Yeah, that's only for your MREs that you're eating because it says it on the box. Correct. I, okay. I'm uh, I'm I'm a man of structure and I follow instructions always. Right. Uh, so probably just a, a rock or something. Okay. Or something. A yeah. rock or something. Or something. Interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm just uh, f- from the travel perspective. I'm basing this off of you know your your basic graduation ruck march for for airsoft school is 35 pounds of ruck in under three hours. Like so, if you but can you get were 12 miles, like I'm I'm just talking about what is your median amount of miles you can accomplish over the night? 12 miles and three hours like you can get six hours of of walking done a night like, yeah decently. you can do 12 miles in three hours but time uh, on a road yeah divide that into 180 that's also not over land i mean and terrain yeah. you got that I'm, I'm thinking my hardest ruck marches were in the sand hills sand. of yeah. north carolina that had hills that had and i was 23 when i was put through that nonsense so I'm not. I'm not thinking it's going to be 12 hours in. I'm just saying 12 miles 20 miles hours. a night. I don't know. Is achievable? It's achievable. If I don't know. Eight if it's hours of walking. And I agree with Logan. I, I think I'd probably go with the Ranger roll for a shelter. I'd probably get a a good Whoopi and some kind of poncho-ish action. I'm planning on. I would plan on 25 minute miles. I think that's a good sustained walk where I'm not breaking a sweat, yeah. you know, cause I don't, I don't want to sweat because yeah. you're just losing water. I want to be able to walk at a, at a relatively fast pace. I don't want to, you know, be, be running my heart rate at above 140, 150. I just want to keep it at just above a hundred, 25 minute miles up and down the desert so let's just backwards plan. It's 25-minute miles, and you have 180 miles. Dave, what's the math on that? No, you have to do the math. That's your job, Dave. That's his job. 25 <laughs> times 180. I mean, you can just round it up. I think we also have to include there. Mile, at some so point in there, somebody's going to send me an email that I have to answer right then and there. 80 hours. And that's going to be an issue. Huh? That's going to slow me down. 80 hours? Five times 180 so we just literally lost everybody on the show (laughs) that's 75 hours yeah so it's 75 hours is what that comes out to of movement of movement so if you're walking eight hours if you're walking eight hours a night that turns into nine days of walking now you have to sustain yourself for nine days with water so you have nine days of walking okay so have nine days of walking yeah that's doable yeah, that's doable. Like nine days is a is a is a good is a good hump. If you don't have any water, you're going to have to take it or have the means in order to get water. Isn't there? And I don't, I don't do any of you have knowledge on this, but isn't there a movement every year through Holland and Denmark that that the soldiers did that we recreate, like the U.S. Redoes once a year. The army goes out. I'm sure, there is. The, it's like this hundred and sixty mile movement. You are do like twenty. Talking about the baton? Yeah, no, baton? not the baton. Because that is it's, the it's, wrong it's, part of the world. No, 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 no. There's one that you you do it over in Europe. You go from a portion in France through Holland. It was it was a certain because my the guard unit the one sixteenth always goes over and does yeah. this. And they said it's it's the the most fun, but it's brutal. You're doing twenty five miles of movement a day, but that's on roads, obviously. Right. Yeah, you have more daylight. Recreating this march that was mm-hmm. done in World War II. I was okay. sure if you guys knew about it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I forget what it's called. I, I can ask somebody at the 116th. So, speaking of which, yeah. wars that we would or would not have liked to fight in, mm. 
There's so much. Yeah. Are we keeping yeah. our original MOS in these wars? Or are we or something close to it? Okay, uh, but I mean, I don't know. Like, like what do you what do you equate a Green Beret to in World War Two or World Jetberg teams? Yeah, yeah, OSS. That's easy. Yeah. That's where we okay. came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, that'd be awesome. Are you there's, kidding me? Yeah, oh, I mean, man. you had like a ninety percent KIA rate. Fuck yeah. Well, yeah. There's that, <laughs> but I mean, well, I mean, it. imagine this. Like, like. It, Imagine you're you're on D-Day. You're an army guy that's being put into one of the one of the landing boats, and you're in front, and you're one of the first boats. You're like, oh man, we are just the bodies to fall until there's too many bodies, and they start running out of ammo. Like, you're not really getting a fighting chance. Those first waves are just to. Here's what I like about the Jedberg thing. Then this is this is the. I mean. Minus the mortality. To, right? to some background, to those of you who don't know what a Jedburgh team was in World War II, they were a combined service element that would typically have a, an airborne drop into uh, occupied uh, France, we'll call it, from the German army. So you'd have a French speaker, you'd have uh, a British person, an American. They'd combine to make these teams, and what they would do is they would they would disrupt behind the lines. So they would, they would buy with and through, they would stand up guerrilla forces and then they would typically work with the French resistance, depending on, on where they were. A lot of Jedburgh teams actually went into Italy and a few other places. Mm -hmm. They're also in Africa. But if we just think about kind of the, the standard image of the Jedburgh team, it's you're working by with and through, French resistance forces to disrupt the German army. And they were, depending on the person and the historian, they would debate whether or not they were successful at um, accomplishing their mission as far as being able to disrupt the German army. There's a lot of people that say yes, because uh, they were able to divert German resources in big ways to, to, to solve problems when it specifically when it came to infrastructure where they're blowing up rail lines and things like that <clears throat> but the Jedberg team is super super sexy to think about because you know you're out there in occupied france you're it, the crazy thing is which i just found out recently not to digress even further than i have already but i just found out that some of the Jedberg teams they were required to wear their uniforms I didn't know this either. That face is what I wanted. To, I wanted. I wanted to see that face. This is like the army has not changed. By no, the way, no, not at all. They had big... commanders when they jumped into German-occupied territory, telling their men they were going to wear their uniforms. This. Yes, wow. doesn't change. American. So it's just always been this way. It's always been. You've had commanders that are that have the IQ of this fucking door hinge running men going, well, that yes. Me up, so that brings me, brings me a, a, a good question that I want to ask both of you, because I've, I've wondered this too, you know, every, every fight we've been in since, since the revolutionary war has changed drastically. We have to relearn, you know, how, what our enemy is, how we're going to fight it and things like that. So evolution and Gen evolution. Yeah, gen yeah. Yeah. Generally taking, a you know guy that that commanded Vietnam put him in the, the front row seat of, of a general position in in you know Gulf One you know they can take some things they learn but is it the same no so you there's a lot of guesswork even with smart in individuals they're fucking guessing 
Based on intel? I don't think it's guesswork. I think it's ego. Well, yes, there's yeah. ego, <laughs> and it's, okay, you take a general, a, 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 an army general, for yeah. example, that has been the through war, war college, you know, that studied, you know, all Napoleon and everybody. Okay, this battle, this, this happened, right. this battle, this happened. So you have knowledge of previous These guys battles. guys are all but the again, best leaders. But look at, look at, like, something like Vietnam, where we were sending companies of men to attack a hill. Right. Just a hill in the middle of the forest. Like, yes, it, it ha- it, like some of these hills played a supply chain to the Ho Chi Minh Trail and stuff like this. But what, would, what, would the, what difference would have it made if, if a decision more of, hey, why don't we just push the lines up to the base of the hill, set up an artillery position, and we'll just hold these, these people on the hill as long as we want. Like, keeping them in their holes, they're not moving. So why are we sending up hundreds of men to fight for a hill that when we take, did we really get any advantage? There's the Westmoreland doctrine. Uh, you know, the, there was a re- reportable metrics. Yeah. And if we didn't have that metric of body count, were we actually making a dent? Were we making a difference? Mm-hmm. Which is completely contrary to the concept of unconventional warfare. Yeah. It's, uh, is, it, is it built on, is it Westmoreland and McNamara principle of essentially you are going to kill your way into victory through purely the numbers not McNamara is one of the guys strategic pieces though you're just trying to stack just a a process of elimination so McNamara was actually one of the guys that had conducted the analysis with the air force on how many people we had to kill in Japanese occupied territory in the Pacific in order to win the war in order to tip the tide. And that, that actually led to the campaign and the strategy of burning the cities to the ground. So we were firebombing cities. We were concussing them first. Then concussing, then, then burning them. a firestorm. Because, not because, uh, you know, fire was a more effective psychological means in order to defeat the enemy. It was a more effective means in order to kill people at a large-scale level, in order to get the numbers they needed, in order to tip the, the tide against the Japanese because this is you're before the atomic the bomb wound like you're 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 inflicting as much pain and despair as you can to the general population to get the commit the, it's, the, a, it's a psychological yeah. and it's also a defeating of military age men through pure numbers right mm-hmm. so it's it's psychologically and then it's too it's the numbers game so to tears point is a Westmoreland McNamara thought which was ill-conceived because they weren't necessarily taking a look at the overall population and then the support of the population from outside countries, which was like this porous border that went, you know, back and forth. And the actual number of the population was never taken into direct consideration against how many forces we were using. It was just there. You had a bunch of data heads trying to run a war. Well, that's so that's my that's my question to both of you. Do you think that there has been massive mistakes made in these conflicts by just again ego and guessing oh of, yeah uh yeah. maybe <laughs> i think that's a question yeah <laughs> yeah so what i mean there's wouldn't you want to be in at all like no desire what's no desire interesting i mean there's there's a there's a two-part there's a really split piece of me in this which is um you know, I, I think that there have been wars that we've been in that were probably less ethical. However, they might have been really fun. So when you look at the... <laughs> <laughs> less ethical, but really fun. Right? Yeah. So that scale of like, this is kind of fucked up. 
but it's also kind of fun, you know, you know, there's the justification there that I think the person has to go through. When I look back on history and I, I take a look at the actual, the wars that we fought and what did we achieve and what we, what we didn't achieve, I think, you know, Vietnam is the perfect example, which is I'm not exactly sure what we achieved, what the actual end state to that war was, what we would declare and define as victory. However, I would have truly loved to have been a SOG guy in Vietnam. So yeah. there's that split piece where oh, you would want to, you want to be in that. Yeah. One. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I can find every war, and I would find every war, and I would say, gosh, I would have loved to have been that. So to Tears point, I would have loved to have been a Jedburg guy in World War II. That, that to me, is more amazing. appealing than SOG in Vietnam. Not me. Like, like, like Vietnam, I, like, you're SOG triple, in Vietnam. Triple, triple canopy jungle, primitive communications, possible air support if you need it, possible medevac, maybe, depending but on what you're doing. But the soundtrack... Yeah, the soundtrack, it, the yeah. music, man. It was like yeah. Hendrix. Paint and, it black. You know? <laughs> I don't. But finish what you were ta- what you yeah. were saying because About you had said you said Jedbergs, but why? And this is purely from a selfish standpoint. Yeah, for what you would or wouldn't want to be in. No, he well, wanted. I, yeah. Okay. I love, and this goes a little counter to what you were saying about the uniforms. That's why I made that sideways puppy dog face. I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I love what I love about special forces is the autonomy. I love the autonomy both to operate and to make decisions. So we are, and you know this, so I'm speaking to everybody else, but we are responsible for, we get assigned a mission, but we're responsible for doing all the the planning cell uh, and designing the execution. Um, start to finish. It's it's our mission. And that, that sets us apart from a lot of uh, other other soft, branches mm-hmm. right i love the autonomy of that and I, I i think dropping in behind enemy lines in a small team like that that is the definition of autonomy you're mm-hmm. you're on your own it's up to you there's a lot of initiative there you've got to make link up with resistance right and you've got to there's robin sage moments in there where you can do your best to influence what the resistance is going to do at the end of the day <laughs> they're the they're the action force and they're going to do whatever they want right but it's your job to to try to, to shape that yeah. and be the, the go-between, the L&O between them and the main effort on the other side of the, the water. Um, I think one thing that has really hindered our own special operations is the real-time communication to the, to the commander yes. in the chair. Yeah. Yep. I remember doing a raid, in a daylight raid, because our partner force didn't have NVGs. I remember doing a daylight raid, um, Hilo Assault, into the into mountains in the in the Kunur province in the Hindu Kush mountains, and we were getting SATCOM traffic thirty seconds after being on the X of why haven't we reported back? Yeah, like uh, we haven't quite cleared this compound yet. Do you mind just sitting back a minute, <laughs> just, just fucking <laughs> off for a minute? Yeah, uh, I mean that's another that's another point that, in my opinion, I feel like the last two major conflicts we've been in again, like. We have such risk-averse commanders. Yeah. We're going into conflict with one toe in. Yep. We're not going in full bore saying, hey, here's your guys' mission. You're going in to take out the opposing force, flip the ideology, and do this. Like It's more of, 
Yeah, but we gotta kind of respect their culture. But we gotta—we don't know. Uh, you guys I mean, can't look we, at pornography. We, we fired all the uh, so so. Yeah, we captured do all the officers. Drinking. Like we're yelling we at a beehive. New, we made some new officers out of some guys <laughs> we found. But you guys need yeah. to salute them. You guys need to respect those guys. Like, hey, didn't we just hey. fucking replace their country? Like, I, replace them? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like here. So this is the best analogy, which is good. I'm glad you're reminding me of it. It's. We're going to give you a toothpick to defeat a hornet's nest. Yes. Go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, go. that's yeah. what it yeah. is. Like, start stabbing. I don't care start if you stabbing. Find, start stabbing these hornets. Don't, stab. find another don't tool. you, don't you pick, don't you pick that tool. stuff up. Yeah. Don't you nope. pick that nope. stuff up. Nope. You don't pick that poison up. You can't do that. No, my, Here's a my toothpick. whole thing in there is... I need is, you to get naked. You're going to go get that. You're going to get that. An incredible disdain for you know specifically that that ODA uh, team sergeant. <laughs> no, the the guy that that uh, ended up killing that Afghan police commander that he walked in while raping the boy, oh, and then yeah. right. we want to hem this guy up. And right. it's like, how do you rightfully, how do you explain yourself to soldiers at that point? That okay, no, it's not about what's the right and wrong thing to do. It's about what. The, the small thing, the toothpick that oh, we gave man. you, you're not supposed to drop that toothpick. So one thing the enemy learned well before we did, and we're just now catching on to this, is this thing right here that we're talking into and looking into is the weapon of this century. Yeah. It is the weapon of this century. Whoever controls the message controls the battle space. I can agree with that. So you're Jed Bergs, right? Yeah, and, well, originally I, I was going to say Mac V song. Oh. Yeah. But I do like, I don't know. That, I'm on the fence about that. I'm on the fence. Yeah. I do like the uh, terrain yeah. and the climate of uh, Western Europe a little yeah. more than Southeast Asia, which we've both spent plenty of time mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm going. If, you ha- if, you, if I have to you jump have in a uniform. Multiple? I mean, this well, is a lot If I have to jump in a uniform, I might go with the Jedbergs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really kind of think revolutionary because mm. I would have a lot of fun with that, with a small team, with when you're fighting a force that is ingrained in their head how they're supposed to fight. I would love that. Like now, to, if you're, are you hold on though? Fuck with them. Are, are you, you talking about like Robert's Rangers? Are you going which is back in time but, to do this? Yes. So you're you're going back in time with the mind that you have now. With the same mindset. To do of, yes. yes. That changes the game a little bit for mm. me. Yeah. Okay, but keep going. Sorry. I I just I think it would be a lot of to to create camouflage. You know, to to build a team under Washington. You know, having explained, hey, I know how this goes, and uh, right. I, I have some sort of expertise. Can I have some men? Right. Like, if I had like, a, if I if I got to bring back like a senior Bravo, so yeah. we could start building and rifling new <laughs> new. I didn't as, this musket in the like, Bravo like, course. Like, <laughs> yeah, like we're building weapons now based on our knowledge and 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 expertise that we have. Based so, and then we're making camouflage and things like that. I think that would be a riot to. To start the initial attacks, the ambushing and stuff of the British, because, again, it's going to take well around a year before you start breaking them of their traditional tactics. And you can just rake the floor with them. Huh. That's interesting. So you'd still work for Washington? Yeah. You'd work for Washington? Got it. Okay. Hmm. I mean, he he would be a child then. He was, what, 22? I don't. I can't remember exactly how old when he I first linked he up was, with Lafayette. I think he was twenty. I don't know. He wasn't in his twenties. He was sure. Yeah, I'm positive because he was in his twenties. He was still trying to commission in the British Army. 
Yeah. Yeah. Would definitely not want to do would be the Civil War. Right. Because yeah. we went through this time in 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 this period where it was like yeah. these this term got generated which was gentlemanly warfare which to me is two things that should never be next to each other right and so one you're fighting against your people from your own country and two you got to stand in line like to me that is the worst case scenario for and you're wearing wool wool you're wearing wool in the south and you're you're walking 10 20 miles a day first aid is awful you have nothing yeah you're almost guaranteed to lose a limb no, no. You, had, you, had whiskey, you had mead. <laughs> mead was your medicine. Like, uh, we're about to cut your leg off. Here, have a sip. It's not only that. From, from a command and control standpoint, Civil War, your regimental commander may have been the president of a bank. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's yeah and you got to follow this guy. You right? got to follow Yeah, but also, too, you get captured. They all speak your language. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of circumstances where the, the, the prisoner detention was just atrocious. Yeah. yeah. It was the worst. They were they were fucking horrible. Was that Sometimes you treat prison your own in South Carolina worse. on the coast. I don't remember the name of it. That's what I mean. Like yeah. I think it's scarier to be taking, taking, pr- taken prisoner by your own people than it is. I mean, there is a level of psychology when everybody's just speaking Vietnamese around you. Have one translator that's giving you, and you don't know what they're saying. But when you can hear, you know, let's just kill him. Hey, let's just, let's just cut his head off. Let's just, you're just like, oh man. Yeah, <laughs> can, also, can you imagine like a Southern Confederate version of Jared who is in charge of prisoners? Like, yeah. that, that's one thing. Hey, I, boys! I, I, <laughs> wouldn't want I got some ideas. <laughs> so you're definitely not in for the Civil War, right? What are you in for? Though? So I'm gonna I'm gonna split. I, I had two answers for this one. One is going back to. Uh, the Native American times, like those guys who were in tribes. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm super intrigued by this. Like I'm reading a bunch of stuff right now on this and uh, to go back and like truly live a warrior lifestyle, like where mm. that is your sole existence. So are like, you talking about like the Indian Wars period? Or are you talking about just being part before of the that? Tribe? So yeah, like 1500s, 1600s oh, in wow. America. Okay. You're an Apache or a yeah. Comanche. Yeah. Wow. To where you're you're with your tribe, you do everything with them. There's there's one leader, traditionally, but but generally, you know, you have this like peer accountability every, every and, and trust with open. Like the women yeah. are just there for breathing. I like how, of course, that's where JT goes. Yeah. What? Yeah. I like this is where his mind. <laughs> Logan's that's talking how they about living a warrior life, and JT's like, yeah, and you get to fuck anybody who you, you want. Yeah. Yeah. well, no, that's part of it. That's true, though, and that's the way the tribes would function. Yeah. Was yes. that every male would sleep with every female, so that they, they didn't have one, they didn't have one. Well, that was way before that was a thing because Europeans didn't didn't. get in there yet. But you raise every single son, every 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 boy of the tribe is is your child because you don't know. So you treat them all equally. That's pretty badass. So it creates this awesome commune within the tribe. Like Eagle Steinberg. Hey, go smack Eagle in his mouth. He's not good at basketball and some of the other things that you... (laughs) I just think it'd be an interesting concept splitting child support with the rest of the tribe. Yeah, yeah, but you don't, you don't have to. But yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, these are part. These are things. My number one no no. I I would not want to be in Vietnam, and I just like the the triple canopy communication equipment plus the priority of your mission. So like, 
if you're dropped in something that you know they might have told your unit to go do and then there's no air support there's no nothing they're just like oh no we wanted those guys to go look out in that jungle you never know when you're just low on the priority sounds very similar to the tail end of the obama administration just walking you're walking 10 20 clicks a day wet you know you've got the jungle like life and insects that can kill you you've got and then you're hunting guys that are from this region that know it better than you like it's a disaster like i i I think once you got used to it though there are a lot of guys that really enjoyed it a triple canopy patrol a lot of guys really enjoyed it you have no nvgs like You've Starlight Scope. Yeah, see, I'm, yeah. see, I'm, I'm with You're these like guys. You're like parachute flares and shit. That was my other conflict. Like, and it may be because I was absolutely obsessed with snipers in Vietnam, but like, that, that's where, yeah, that's the one thing, man. Like, I think about that. Like, that's where, like, the amount of concealment you have. How valuable is a sniper yeah. within that conflict? Right. And then the the ability to operate, you know, in well, traditional one to two man elements and go out on bad. your own. That's our fault. Like, we saw how good of an asset that that did for us in the Vietnam conflict, and then our commanders abandoned it. Like, and very few utilize them how they're supposed to be utilized in the GWAT. Like, and yeah, I don't know why we came to this. We trained somebody their entire career to be in a two-man element, to, to, to sit in a hide and to take precision shots at high-value targets, and now we're saying, oh, no, 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 we can't send two people out. That's, that's absurd. What was the fucking point of putting them through all the fucking school then? Good point. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was a doctrine developed based off of the fact that they want to avoid, like, a media catastrophe. Like, nobody – like, that, that would be used that. against like, us from a propaganda but, perspective. They were trying to avoid that, like – even there, like they wouldn't let us leave in elements of less than eight people. I'm like, the, well, that's our, that's what we do. And, and we can look at a movie like Enemy at the Gates. What did they used the sniper and the reporting of Zaychev? Is what was his name? Yeah, uh, they used that as a propaganda piece to instill fear into the right. enemy. Why one, didn't we do one that? One man like, that can completely disrupt <laughs> yes. a whole command structure. We like missed. that is a and huge threat. Giving the enemy fear. Yeah. Because now look at DC. DC sniper did the same thing. Yep. Like, and I feel like, because I, I physically saw that I saw in my battalion in 2007, our commander refused to use the entire sniper detachment. Whereas the sister battalion was sending out their SKT teams in two-man elements, and they were mopping the floor with opposition. They, they had something like 60 kills in the first, like, 30 days of people that were emplacing IEDs, that were messing with their camera systems. Like, so we're looking at the sister battalion's battle space and reading their updates and looking at our commander like, this is working. Are we going to do it? No, no, no. I'm not sending two guys out there. They're, they're not trained for that. Well, they are. They are. They have an entire <laughs> no, that's sniper exactly detachment. What they're Every one for. of them's ranger qualified and been to U.S. Army sniper school. That's, what more do you want? <laughs> that's education of, of commanders is what that is. That's it's why risk. there's like a mortar leader course. It's risk adverseness. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we don't jump. We don't jump into very few jumps anymore into anything. Right. We're very, so we have all these, these things that we've trained to, and then we don't utilize them. Well, a lot of conventional commanders have no idea how to use SOF. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think a lot of commanders might not understand the full utility of an asset, right? So yeah. even with all their schools and their, you know, they, they get opportunities. We were talking about it today. They 
get opportunities to go back and get a, you know, a master's degree and a bunch of other shit that they truly don't going to really help them when they get a corporate yeah. job. Uh, yeah. It's I've really going to help. I've them. never seen a Colonel playing chess with us. This is kind of my point. It's like, we weren't, you weren't using this as a collective effort to move your pieces around your battle space yep. and, and, and essentially obtain what your objective was. Yeah. But I think that there were, I mean, I'm not trying to take, I am ch- taking a devil's advocate on this. I think there was a lot of confusion as to even what their clear end state objectives were. I agree with that. And then when you can, when you have that much ambiguity as a commander of a specific, we'll call it battle space, and you don't have clear, concise directive as to what is my success criteria for this. Yeah, what does it look like? What Mm -hmm. does this look like? And then... Then you, you know, you allow the individual commanders underneath you, depending, right, to paint their own canvas. And some of these other guys underneath them, they're, I mean, we've seen it. Everybody has their, their good and their bad and their ugly, right? And we have guys, and, you know, Tyr and I have similar backgrounds. We know a lot of similar people. You have guys that really shouldn't be in charge of ODAs in war. Like, you just, they should not be in charge. But because of time and grade, they're in that fucking position. You don't want those guys going out and taking the team to do shit. You just don't want them to do that. They're not, they're going to get somebody fucked up or they're going to do something really fucked up, right? So, and you have, uh, we've, we've had shared circumstances all the way around. You've also had company commanders and battalion commanders. Like like the, the, the last group commander that, that I had at, at 19th group, he was a fucking full-blown idiot, like he was a full-blown mouth-breathing idiot. I don't need to say his name. They can take some guesses however they were, but he he should have been selling real estate somewhere. Like he should <laughs> not have been doing the job that he was doing. Like they don't have the fucking guts for it. They don't have the guts. They don't they they, they just don't have the fucking when I say that some of these guys just needed to take a different profession. You know, maybe like, yeah, but I mean, you know, writing copy a, for like field a, and stream. That's, that's a better another, like, job <laughs> to look in, to look into that though, with a microscope and say that if you're going to be a green beret and uh, a special forces unit commander, you better be the, one of the best tacticians on the fucking planet when it comes to unconventional but war. It's, that's not true. You have, you have a bunch of guys that are there for the hat. Yeah, but that's what you, that's what the, the standard should be. You're a, you're a group commander. You better be the fucking. You better have your doctorate in unconventional warfare on how to utilize this group. So back to the wars that we continue <laughs> to get away from for some reason. This isn't a command commander because I've, I've also worked under a fuck ton of great, like extremely intelligent, driven fucking commanders that are that have saved the lives and fucking executed plenty of motherfuckers. It's just. You know, you, the, the the bad apples tend to stick out a yeah. lot for some reason, obviously, because they're the biggest pains in all of our asses. I feel like so, we were picturing the same person or people when you said that. Well, we definitely have <laughs> one guy specifically yeah. that we're picturing. That's yeah. just a fucking absolute <laughs> so dumpster fire so of a human being. <laughs> 1500s native war you tribe be orgy. Like, this was before horses, by the way. No, this is before horses. Well, horses 1500s came. 1500s well, before horses made it yeah, to the United States. Yeah, 1600s right? was horses yeah. when the Spanish Spanish brought them yeah. over in the 1500s. Uh-oh. And then by 1600s, 1700s. Like, no, I would have been. 
I would have preferred the horse okay, era. Okay. After I'm just the Spanish I'm clarifying because yep. if it's before horse, we're really talking it's about completely like different story. Gathering, yeah, 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 riding like around on the women, full on. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sixteen hundred horseback post Spanish horse. Okay, got it. Yep, horses. Gotten the bow and arrow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe right. maybe like a little Bronze like Age that. weaponry. Okay. I like yeah. that. I like I like where your head's at on that one. Yeah. yeah. Way be outside the box. Way outside the Way box. Way outside the yeah. box. I love that. Yeah. Well, I love that about Logan. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And and I forget where 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 did you go? I'm revolutionary. You're the revolutionary. But I want a team. I want I want a crew with me. Right. Yeah. That's my that's my fantasy. Yeah. That's that conflict. Like to be a part of. Like to be a a part of the battle that fucking forged our country. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, But just to be a small like kill team, like eight guys, and we just had free reign of an area that just said take out as many British as you can. That would be a dream come true. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's like really when guerrilla warfare started started for us, right? As a nation for us, well, that's when everything started as a nation for us. Well, yes, but <laughs> sorry, guerrilla warfare, like in its, you know, indoctrination in a sense, like when it I was like, know. that's a good. Hey, question. this is this yeah. is when we're doing this. So, you know, I'm thinking of the Patriot and yeah. and those little type of units that were located off the grid and then would come in, hit the British, get out of there, do it again yeah. the next day. So in Western warfare, supply chain. Did guerrilla warfare start in America, in Western warfare? Or did, when did guerrilla warfare start in I, general? I, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly certain we didn't, because what we right. were doing is we were adapting like Native American, part of the Native American fighting style yeah. into the, right. Came the from conventional the circumstance. Warfare. Yeah, yeah. They say, it says it started 1775. Hmm. So, like, I American think, Revolution. Yeah, so I think that that's, that's that's probably like I think you have to at least pay homage to where the where did it come from and originate. Right? Daniel Day Lewis invented it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Well, I thought of another conflict did. that I would want nothing to do with, and that would be Sylvia Bay, the assault uh, Australia did on Turkey. That's well, yeah, de- that's definitely yeah. a no a no for me. <laughs> I I feel like a real big pussy for saying this. Like I feel like a really really big pussy for saying this. But the the island hopping campaigns would have been, Ugh. I think, would have been really brutal. So brutal. fucking brutal. Yeah. Now, granted the opportunity to, I, I don't think, like, just, just so we know, statistically, I do not think I would have made that. I don't think any of us would, right? I don't even think statistically. Well, you got to think of just the enemy, the enemy you're facing now. We would does not fear, Dave would have made does it. Does not fear death and fucking wants nothing more than yeah. to kill as many of us as physically possible that is a different enemy yeah that we've yeah when's the <laughs> last the last japanese soldier what did he he finally got talked like, out of the hills in the 93 93 yeah. 93 yeah, yeah. <laughs> 93 there was a dude in, look in it the, up in the i think i'm right still yeah. sniping people jesus yeah that, that was over. on uh hardcore history yeah it yep. would have really like knowing now like going into the pacific not knowing anything about it that would have been the better circumstance, I think, to then to You'd know be in a better mindset. what is coming in the Pacific. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're like going back, going, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, <laughs> oh, fuck. like I would, 
Well, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps when the Pacific series came out. Right. And we were, we were all so excited. Like, we're, you know, we're getting our version of Band of Brothers. And right. then we finished that series and we're like, that would have fucking sucked. That like, sucked. this series is so depressing. Because, like, like, one guy, like, one guy yeah. made it. The best you can like, hope for is one guy made it through the story. Chronically wet, yeah. wet your pants. That's that's the best you go. Well, this yeah. is this is why I'm really excited <laughs> like, for like about 30 more years of technology for VR because I I'm excited for us to go and fight these conflicts in VR together when when the technology supports it <laughs> because it'll be a yeah. blast. Hey, we're gonna go fight all our battles in space now, right? And that'll determine victors. Like Ender's Game is. Yeah. It's going to happen yeah. eventually. I, I I think a lot of it would be like how motivated would you be to fight an enemy, right? So I think that's part of the psychological. You need a good aspect. Yeah, yeah, you need one. That's why like the British is super appealing. It's the civil easy to war. Hate. It's the easy. civil war is fucking horrible. Yeah, that one's hard. A horrible to circumstance mm-hmm. all the way around. You know, fighting Nazi Germany is super easy, easy for people yeah. to rationalize. And easy go, to hate the enemy. Super right. easy. You'd be very motivated. You'd be very motivated to get up every day and conduct the art of war, knowing like I'm going to get up to kill Nazis today. This is super fun. Yeah, I'm just going to stay here. Especially if you're successful at it, like that would be. You wouldn't want that war to end. That'd just be like I'm going to fucking kill Nazis all day. Okay, give me another. Give me another <laughs> fucking fun thing to do. You know, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of the way it boils down to. Whereas like. You know, the, the the Japanese were fucking, they hated Americans. I mean, obviously, a lot of it was like. They hated everybody that wasn't They Japanese. hated everybody that wasn't Japanese. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, they established, like, jihad without uh, religious ideology. Like they It was it. religious ideology. Yeah. The emperor was, was yeah. considered a god. <clears throat> but yeah, they did so. it with po- politics interwoven mm-hmm. yeah. in that. Which would be super interesting because that's that's actually would be like even going back to follow Logan's train of thought to go back to the smaller wars within history that have been fought, not necessarily as Americans, but what foreign wars have taken place throughout the last several hundred years. And the reasons behind that. Interesting to be part of. There's a great book. Uh, What's it called? It's by Max Boot. I'll come to it. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to look Cause it up. Because like the fall of Troy, like it's all over a chick. You have hundreds of thousands of people moving. It becomes and less. fighting all because the king is mad that his, fuck, that his woman ran off. Look. It becomes less about the enemy and more about taking control. That further back in history, it's about we're, we're going to own this now. This is our shit. Yeah, we're either taking land or we're taking revenge. The Savage Wars of Peace. The Savage Excellent Wars of Peace. Excellent quarantine read. The really? Savage Wars of Peace. Yep. Excellent read. Excellent read. Don't even have to be interested in the military to, to get something out of this one. And when does that take place? Or what it's, it's actually uh, across broad, broad spectrum yeah. of, of history. Talks about Smedley Butler. Talks about the Banana Wars. Talks about the Boxer, the Bo- Boxer Rebellion. French French, Rebellion. Rebellion. French Banana Wars. Yeah, yeah, the Chiquita yeah. Banana Wars, actually. Yeah, Literally, the Chiquita, the Chiquita Banana Wars. Yeah, we, we, were, Chiquita we were in a conflict Wars. in Central America Over the for Chiquita. Yeah, for <laughs> Chiquita. That's so true. <laughs> I think the most interesting profession in warfare would have been post-1915 
46, post-World War II, working for when the CIA was established in 1950, but really it was around in the 40s, even mm-hmm. it was just a different name. Just the onset of the Cold War. But from 19, essentially 1950 yeah, you've to said the Frank before. Church hearings. Yeah. And that was like 77 or something like that. So you got 20 years of just... 20 years... No oversight. Of suitcases of fucking money. <laughs> it's still just okay to assassinate Taking people. it to the fucking task <laughs> of the Soviets every day. Yeah. It would not... It would not have been hard for me to motivate myself for that yeah. every day. Like, I'm super passionate. Like, I'm basically yeah. an artist at this point. My, my yeah. art is my profession. I love killing Russians. Fuck yeah, this is great. Yeah. What do you I want? don't think I would have ever left that job. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Further the interests of the United States. Okay. What's my left what's and right region? lateral limit? <laughs> Further the interests of the United States. Okay. okay. Got it. Yeah. Got, Got it. it. Tracking. Thumbs up. <laughs> hey, we now control Costa Rica. Hey, good job down there. Good job. <laughs> what was just mortared a city for no reason? Well, we blamed it on the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also I'm the king down yeah. there. <laughs> I think my yeah. uh, my my war that I would not want to be in. It's a it's a tough call again, but I think I'm gonna go with Korea. Yeah, Korea would have been Ooh, fucking horrible, nasty, horrible. horrible. Well, I just yeah. I, I never want to fight in the cold. Like man, I think about that element that is on the top of everything I've ever else been in my life. I was in an exercise over there in in 2012, one of the annual war fighting exercises right. I do. I woke up. We hit. We infilled. And then walked, we, in, we Hilo and filled at night, overland, and then walked up through boulders to get up on the top of this mountain, which the, the English translation of the name of this mountain was literally Windy Mountain. Great, great spot. <laughs> great spot for a, for a G-base. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then it proceeded to piss rain on us for the next three nights. We're in poncho hooches. And I remember waking up at like three in the morning because all that that pelting on my poncho had stopped. I'm like, Oh, finally. And when I, when I got up a couple hours later, I pulled down my bivy sack and my poncho was just like a centimeter from my nose. The precipitation had not stopped. It had just gotten colder. And now I had an inch of frozen water in my poncho covered with six inches of snow. Oh fuck. Yeah. And so that's how we stayed for the, for the next, you know, six, seven days. That was, it was not enjoyable. And I just remember thinking, man, I've got Gore-Tex. I've got all these layers, all these synthetic layers, everything else. I've got better equipment right now than, than even the conventional has. guys have. Right. In the- and I, I'm still sucking. Yeah. I, like, I had to preheat my jet boil in my bag. Oh, yeah. So that it would spark. So the fuel. It was, it was, that, it was that cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just thinking, man, there were dudes that did this with actual kinetic warfare up and down these mountains wearing... Shitty boots and wool coats. Yeah. Leather, yeah, leather boots. And oh, by the way, you're hearing a whistle and being told to fix bayonets. Yeah. So combine the suck now that right. you just described, but now you're fixing bayonets in the dark. <laughs> How many Medal of Honor citations <laughs> have these words in there? Having expended all his ammo, yeah. POC blank, <laughs> yeah. fixed his E tool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. no. Nah, nah. No. Nah. A bayonet, oh, yeah. Charging, like hearing a whistle and, a, and having a lieutenant, like like initiating the charge with fixed bayonets, that's the point where I'm going to be like, 
fuck. This what scares sucks. me more about what you just said is having a lieutenant lead. And that's, like, <laughs> that's actually where I was. You scared the shit out of me where I was like, whoa, I, I'm not actually. I've never seen that. I, I've never. I don't know what that feels like. Oh, man. I'm super glad. I don't know what that feels <laughs> that's like. That's a good point. We don't right? have lieutenants in special. No. But also, huh? too, the psychology is so different when you think about the numbers like imagine going back with a tenth of your entire company like now now your whole your whole neighborhood is gone right like everybody you know there's there's almost a full battalion wiped out in vietnam like like that's a lot of families like and yeah you're you're one of 60 guys left over from an entire battalion everybody you knew got killed you're kind of just like don't get a unit tattoo you're gonna have to reconsolidate get a new one yeah, yeah that's true yeah you know, just to exit out so that's just like <laughs> like like that's there. wild to think about like i mean because in our time frame we were we were dealing with you know high times maybe one every couple weeks one a week in the yeah. socom community like yeah i mean I don't know, logan you guys kind of went through a burst. lot was it one a week for you guys two a week well, we started with about five per week for the first. You were bit. you were in the in the invasion, or no, in Afghan, like, Sangin. What what year? What years are we talking about? Uh, ten. Ten. And okay. at ten, beginning eleven. It tapered off towards yeah. the end because you know we yeah, but started now, figuring like, stuff yeah, out. I'm but. saying like you you roll out with ninety guys in a platoon and you come back with eight. Like, whoa. Yeah, that was that that's was a different. That's a different in Vietnam. Fucking, like, yeah. I just read. Uh, oh, Alpha Company? They don't exist anymore. What do you mean they don't exist? Oh, no, they got wiped gone. out. What? Yeah, Alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A minus. Yeah. I just read a uh, Surprise Kill Vanish, which. Oh yeah. Gets. Uh, it's really good. You, you got to. I don't think you can believe everything in it. Um, well, no, but, just the opening story is total bullshit. Yeah, but it when does get into the, it. What book is this? Surprise Kill Vanish. She's talking about like the she knew some person from special activities division and they came in and opened up a, a, a Pelican case and he took out a knife and said, this is when things get close. Fuck off. Nobody fucking says that. Fuck off. Nobody says that. And if they do, you know what yeah, they do? They're, they're a fucking gate guard. Somewhere. Yep. Yeah. That, they're, they're, they are a fucking <laughs> that gate guard. That Krav Maga. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> my Krav yeah, you know, my, my Israeli all you Maga guys out there, the ones that are going, this is in case we have to go blades. Yeah, it's like, fuck off. You don't fucking I carry at least blades. nine knives at me at all times. What? Yeah. I've, got, I've got two karambits in my lumbar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I've got karambits. So dumb. It's like, yeah, you, you go suppressed in subsonic when fuck, fuck off. It doesn't like blades. Come on. That's just stupid. Yeah, but, but anyway, she does yeah. have some. Yeah, it, you know, it's an over the the basic premise here is a history of clandestine warfare, and it, you know, a big section of this is on Vietnam and and some of those stories in there with Mac V. Sager, right. fucking incredible man. Like Billy like, Waugh is a legit dude. Oh yeah, she inv- she yeah. she interviewed the shit out of him. She later, I think, she later admitted that first, and it was so funny because when she was on Rogan's show. I was listening to that opening story that she was telling, and I was like, I was yelling at the radio. I was yelling at the <laughs> yeah. podcast. I was like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. I was like totally yelling at it. And, or, or 
or whoever you're talking to at the time is full of shit. They're 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 a KBR fucking yeah. like because they can't toilet explain, cleaner. They can't explain they're a fucking it. toilet like, cleaner. Yeah, they can't mm-hmm. They're sucking it. shit up into a truck. That's what they're doing. <laughs> you're you're dumb as fuck, lady. Because nobody says that. One of my mentors, uh, that was my first squadron supervisor, uh, Buddy MacArthur, he was on a mission with Billy Wall in the invasion of Afghanistan. Wow. And said that you had a 75-year-old yeah. man driving a fucking a, a, a Hilux. Yeah. He said, like a fucking madman up a hill, and he watched Billy get out of the fucking truck and chase these Taliban dudes down. That's amazing. With a Shorty M4 gunning them uphill, like while they're all like scrambling, like what the fuck is this <laughs> old guy doing? He's running yeah. uphill, gunning down Taliban dudes right. with a Shorty 70 M4 at seventy-five years old. That and, like, is incredible. Buddy says he gets back and she's like, Jesus Christ! He's like, you ready? We can keep going, man. <laughs> like, That's amazing, dude. He's got a good that too. That yeah, has to, like and, and like knowing <laughs> knowing who Billy Wall is since I was young in the military. It's like. That's like Buddy's story of that. Like you got to go on one of his last missions when he was working for the agency at that time. Like he came and spoke like, when we were when, <laughs> when I was at the Q course. He came and spoke to Phase One. Mm. So, super interesting. Yeah, like he came and spoke, and it was like, and it, it it I remember the briefing or one of the briefings he gave because he was like the most dangerous man in the world right now is a guy named Osama bin Laden. That was a. Uh, 99 2000 <laughs> <laughs> that's wild yeah 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 because yeah, it was it was so interesting because i remember that so well and then, yeah uh, it gets into the book on that like he was i believe it was uh oh, what kind of, i can't remember but he was tracking him like 95 96 yeah, well, yeah. i yeah. thought it was right after he went after the jackal he had then he then he had shifted his well, he knew exactly where he was they, yeah they knew he had they, two he had opportunities to yeah. to kill him and he got turned down both times mm-hmm. yeah the clinton administration said no wow yeah they turned him said, down. Eh, we'll just do a tomahawk yeah they're like we'll just throw a missile up there you know it's okay <laughs> they had the opportunity to fucking well, that's save like, like, See, like think about hunting that. The jackal. Think That's about the that. T- yeah. yeah, hunting yeah. the jackal was yeah. Billy's book. Great read. Think about that. Think about nobody says Bill Clinton is a fucking idiot because he didn't take the shot on. Yeah, on I know that's, Bin Laden. that's that's crazy. Nobody says that. Nobody, Nobody's like nobody. Hey, holds think that about how many people and lives we would have saved if the fucking president would have grabbed his nuts for the right reason versus the wrong and reason. Taking somebody yeah. out before, take, not once taking, but twice. Yeah, twice. Nobody's like. You don't hear the criticism of Clinton, how he got his fucking dick sucked in the in the in the Oval Office. Now he didn't kill Bin Laden. You got all these fucking hardcore Democrats that are all like, "Oh my God, Bill Clinton, the Clinton era." And it's like, "There, what? That guy was a piece of shit." How do you not think that he's a piece of shit in this Me Too movement, which is totally a digression from where we are? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Oh my God, I just fucking went off on Bill Clinton for a second. I can't even think about I'm the dizzy. Clinton I'm dizzy. I, I can't even think about no, it. Dizzy. It's so <laughs> shitty. You know, it's like, such a I, shitty time. I told you I told you the other day that I had rewatched Band of Brothers because I wanted to. I hadn't seen it since it came out. But hearing those interviews in the beginning, it made me like, I reached out to Gary O'Neill again, again because he only lives an hour and a half away. And it's like, I want to get this guy in front of a camera and tell your fucking stories because they're so fucking wild. People have no clue. Some of this shit went down when Mac V was humming at its fucking peak point. Like, and also too, guys like Billy wall. Like I think you, your personal fucking dream would be like somebody handing you a folder and saying, Hey, the Jackal go find him and kill him. 
You'd be like, not anymore. You wouldn't like, but that? a few days. I mean, a few years ago, yeah. yeah that I would, mean, my <laughs> personal dream now is, you know, way way different. Than, yeah, than I was but, when I was in but, my thirties. Yes, if you were just handed a file, you said you have. Here's your budget. You have to kill this. Yeah, person. if somebody, if That's somebody, a really if cool somebody handed mission. me that, yeah. if somebody handed me that file today, and they're like, "Here's the infinite amount of money, and we want you to go kill that guy," I'd be like, "Um, can I have? How, how fuck off. off. Here you can. My biggest. You wouldn't take that else. as a weekend project. Fuck no. I, <laughs> I, I I'm like, I, I don't spend enough time with my kids as it is. I'd be like. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, <laughs> what are you, some fucking weirdo bureaucrat from the fucking wingnut three-letter agency? It's like, go go play golf with some other fucking douchebag in, in Washington, D.C. and find some other fucking chump to do your dirty work. I'm going to go to Guatemala with my buddies, and we're going to have a fucking great time. Like, Wear some shorty go find shorts. some shithead to go do your fucking work for you. I, I actually have a business to run, a family I care about. That would be my answer. Now. Hey, now. Have you read Hunting the Jackal? Yeah, yeah. Have, have you read it? I haven't. Yeah. It, it gets into it quite a bit in that Black book. Black Hawk Down, right? Mark Bowden? No, it's uh, it's Billy Wasserman. Billy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is. It is definitely written from his perspective. It is really? definitely, yeah, first person. Yeah. That. So my biggest takeaway from that book was not all the crazy adventures he had. It was holy shit again. The autonomy. Yeah, like the they autonomy. just handed him a mission, and he just went and did it, did and he it. got it done. On his However, own. <laughs> I am so used. I'm so just trained on bureaucracy and process that that is what really amazed me. I was like, "Wow, wow!" To work you, in an environment just, like that, they just okay. That didn't work. So he went and scaled this building and had glass on this yeah. dude in another country, and nobody gave him permission nobody. to do that. He went and did it because that was meeting the intent of the mission. <laughs> there's, a, there's another guy, the guy that uh, tracked and killed Che. Yeah. Um, forget his name, but the guy that tracked and killed Che, he worked at the agency forever. Fucking yeah, he kid. was part of... Uh, He's part of the Bay of Pigs. Bay of Pigs, yeah. yeah. He tracks his entire lineage all the way back to... Yeah. Like, the, you know, that was, what, 59? So, super interesting. A couple of those guys, they just did work. Right. And like whether they were on the books of another company or on the agency, it just kind of went around. It was always nebulous and mm-hmm. super interesting the way that thing used to work. Like, you I'm don't not worry saying about command it. control is bad. It's just you know the con out processes and everything. Oh all no, it's all we've ruined it. What 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 level we've, con out is yes, this? Yes, we've we've completely this, ruined blah, blah. it. Like, well, yeah, because you have people that make rank based on what type of process they put in, right? Which you, you'll hear the crack to, uh, which is interesting because Felix Rodriguez, Felix Rodriguez, yeah. So as we're talking about Vietnam, we have this new RTD or ready to drink. You just probably just heard Ooh. this. Hmm. Ready Tell me to about drink. it. Crack, mm. and this has tiger stripe camo on it, and it was an homage to Mac V Sog. Come to find out, a little interesting piece of military history that's directly correlated to the ready-to-drink, which this is the espresso mocha. Uh, Mac V, actually, they, they didn't wear tiger stripes. Uh, very, very, very few guys actually wore the tiger stripes. Hmm. Um, yeah, I believe they wearing just the, like infantry scouts, like the 170. Yeah, I mean, they, they would paint them. Like they would, like... Had tiger stripes. They would paint them depending, but they were... Those were essentially their their garrison uniforms that they didn't okay. they didn't wear them very often in the field. 
That's funny. Uh, which I thought was super interesting. And uh, and then the other guys, like the, the more of the support guys, they would wear tiger stripes for the most part. But it's kind of funny how they would. They were like, tiger stripes? Yeah, I mean, it's part of MACV, but we didn't wear them all that often. <laughs> well, it was, it was the but uniform of the South Viet- Vietnamese, right? Or some of them. Some. And then... Some. I don't Sock know that, the recent when they were working with them. Of the Green Berets wearing those tiger stripes with their patches and stuff that looked cool as shit. <laughs> yeah, they looked great, but that <laughs> yeah, was like great. for their photo ops. Yeah, <laughs> look good. But you can also get this RTD on our RTD subscription. So yeah, it's in Can Club. Don't now. wait for can your club. coffee. Don't wait for your coffee. Get the RTD on your subscription. Uh, we we do a slight percentage off if you're getting in on their subscribe and save free the thing shipping. that you really want to join both if you really are black rifle coffee aficionado the one thing you want to join is the specialty when we say specialty coffees the ecs the exclusive, exclusive. coffee subscription uh those are the fucking those are the best coffees we got as far as cross the board because when i say it's the best coffees we have uh, it, we spend a lot of time still curating everything from tip to toe with the ECS, the designs, the profiles. They change every month. Uh, it, it, it's my favorite side of the company right now. That's where I spend a lot of time. Um, and then on the side of this RTD, as we go back into this, the military veterans at Black Rifle Coffee Company have developed this kick-ass espresso mocha that is a blend of espresso, milk, cocoa, protein, caffeine to help you dominate your day. Um, I really had a hard time with this copy. I had a really hard time with this writing because I was like, I just wanted to put in there uh, espresso mocha. That was it. And then the 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 people that were helping me developing it, you yeah. know, like no, you have to put some type of cool product description on there. And I was yeah. like, all right, well, I've read the, I went other, back yeah, and forth. It competitors. was fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was a horrible process, but it's a great drink. It is it really good. amazing drink. So back to what you were saying. Sorry. What was I saying? What were you saying? What was he saying, Dave? Do you I don't know. That? I'll take this little gap to do a little plug for, uh, the Black Rifle Hiring Initiative. That Ooh, yeah, that's I like that. Uh, I like that, that a lot. I've always thought they wanted a career yeah. with Black Rifle. Yeah. Do you want to work here? Do you want to work at Black Rifle? Well, we're hiring. We're going to be putting probably close to 40 positions on the website already. What? 40? But probably. say, how are you hiring this many people right now, Logan? I mean, with COVID-19 and everybody You're over worrying here about this, how are you people? hiring so many people? I, I don't know. Why don't we... Let the CEO handle that. Oh, that's right. I guess that is me. Well, we have been very fortunate here at the company of Black Rifle Coffee is a combination of things. You know, the subscribers, the people that listen to the, the, the podcast and the subscribers to the coffee club, they've made sure that we've been able to continue hiring in such a, a horrific time for the United States. So we got to do our part here as far as the company is concerned for taking care of the community. We're taking care of our, our company and the employees, and we're expanding our hiring initiatives. So if you want to work at Black Rifle Coffee, there is no better time to apply because we have a ton of openings, and now is the time for you. Maybe you got to dust off some of your editing skills. Maybe you're a camera guy and you're in a management position back in the day. 
now's the time. You want to market Hell for yeah. us? You want to be in content? You want to be in media? You want to be in HR? Get over. Get to Black Rifle Coffee. What is it? Forward slash? Careers. Careers. Throw your resume in the hat. Like, join the team because it's a pretty pretty fun place to work would you agree logan uh, yeah i would i would say so yeah, how many we, presents do you think i'd buy you on a regular annual cycle i i tracked it it's yeah. about one a quarter it's about one a quarter yeah, yeah give or take it's about <laughs> one a quarter you know how many presents do i buy you jared do you count the questionable foods that you that you put in front of me as well as presents yeah so i do <laughs> okay Either way, two, three. This is a super fun place to work. Random meats, yeah. Random eats. It's actually the website where I get the food for Jared is called questionablefoods.com. They deliver. Go ahead and register that day. They right <laughs> they yes, deliver first. <laughs> they don't tell you when, and they don't tell you how. So last time Jared got a delivery, three weeks of E. coli followed. It was <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning from what appears to be an obese garbage man <laughs> while feeding him in bed while he was half asleep. <laughs> it's called questionablefoods.com. I just I just want to put out there that I don't put metrics on on your gifts, and I just cherish your friendship. Yeah, I know. That says someone who don't get no gifts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get Look no that. gifts. He's trying to kiss. He tried to steal my belt. He's trying to kiss. He tried to steal my belt. I didn't steal your belt. Trying to. I gave it to, to my girlfriend, who just happens to uh, also have the same waist as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Super fucking. <laughs> <laughs> she said that we could be close buddies. She's like four or six. <laughs> it's questionable whether or not she's a midget. Tiny or definable is a midget. <laughs> I have to hit her up to see if she can get like a handicap permit. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. How many stools do you have around that house? You're just the only so she can person I've ever one that lives in the middle of the kitchen. Shoe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great episode of Free Range American. Thanks a lot, Logan, Jared, Tier. I'm Evan. See you guys next week.